0: Welcome to One Stop Shop, a weekly podcast that helps ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs learn from the best. Brought to you by Convergio. To learn more about managing all of your e-commerce tools, channels, and strategies from one dashboard, visit Convergio.com. On today's podcast, we interview Cindy Collins from EuphoricHerbals.com.
1: Before creating a successful business, Cindy Collins, certified herbalist and certified breastfeeding counselor, developed handmade natural remedies for mothers. Now, not everyone believes in natural herbal remedies. However, Cindy also knows her customers very well. And with that level of focus and attention, she was able to go from a side gig on Etsy to a successful business with 10,000 orders in 37 countries. Today, we chat with Cindy and learn the strategies that helped her multiply her sales volume by eight. Hey, Cindy, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. All right, can you tell our listeners a little bit about Euphoric Herbals and the products that you sell?
2: Sure. Um, Euphoric Herbals, um, we make a variety of, of herbal products from herbal teas and herbal salves and lactation blends. Um, I originally started Euphoric Herbals um, on Etsy in 2009, 2010, just really as a side hobby. Um, it was something that I did as a stay-at-home mom, um, and at the time, I really um, didn't have much of a vision for the product line that I do have now, um, and when I started, I actually had three businesses at one time. Um, I was a doula as well as a photographer, and then eventually, as, after the birth of my third child in 2011, 2012, it really started to grow, so I ended up simplifying And choosing the one thing that I felt I could make the most difference and have the most impact on. And for me, that was herbalism and the products that I was creating.
0: So tell us a little more about your background. You just alluded to it briefly, but what did those things look like before you started the company that you have now?
2: Sure. So um, after my first son was born in 2006 or 2005, um, I was a breastfeeding counselor at uh, local hospitals here doing lactation counseling and support. And then after that, I was a birth doula where I was attending births, providing professional and emotional labor support to clients that would hire me directly. Um, And then I also did photography as well, specializing, of course, in maternity birth and nursing portraiture photography. So those were the um, different businesses and different backgrounds that I've had. I've had more backgrounds that are completely unrelated um, to what I do now as well. Um, But I've been studying herbalism for probably about 10 to 11 years, personally on my own, professionally for the past five years, five to six years, I've been professionally studying herbalism.
1: So you mentioned that you had this as a side business on Etsy, but you didn't have any vision for it. So how did the vision come about?
2: So it was um, it was probably in 2011, 2012, um, when I was not really spending more time on my other two businesses. And I started focusing a little bit more on this business um, because it really worked and was conducive to my family's lifestyle at that time. Being a stay-at-home mom to three boys and a husband who is a a school teacher and who worked full-time and part-time, the other two businesses were just too hard to focus on. So as I started to focus on this um, and started listening more to my customers and what they wanted and questions they would tell me what they needed, they would say, can you make this And I would say, sure, you know what? I can give it a try. I don't see why I can't make that product. Um, So in 2011, I made my first lactation blend. It was then called Dairy Queen. It's now called Dairy Fairy. Um, So I made that. And everything is handmade. Now, I don't make my lactation capsules anymore because we've we've grown so much to customers in every state in 47 countries. Handmade, we just couldn't keep up (laughs) with the demand. So a year ago, I outsourced the production of that. Uh, But everything else we still make and fulfill on site um, in our own studio. Um, So it was just listening to my customers and them asking me and saying, can you make this? And I would say, sure, I'll give it a try. And then as I listened to them, they would tell me things that they wanted, things that they needed. And then I would just give it a go and they would just keep coming back to me. And then I would keep asking questions of things that they wanted. And so it was through that process of listening and asking questions that uh, my, uh, my lactation line, the four um, l- lactation products that I make that are in capsules developed. And just those four products, um, really transformed my business in a really large way. And though I make about 30 different products, four of my products probably count for by 85% of my sales.
1: There, there were so many questions I want to ask you. Actually, you mentioned that you, you started this, you know, handmade by yourself, obviously on Etsy people, you know, it's handmade generally, but, um, even when you, when the vision became clearer and the business grew, you were still doing this, you know, by hand and are you still doing it by hand today? I wasn't clear about that.
2: Yeah. Yes. So yes, we are. So we still blend our teas and our saps, and everything is made by hand. Um, you know, making our, we're, we don't have any commercial machines that make our stuff products for us other than the lactation capsules. Um, just a year ago, um, I was at a really painful growing point where I had to invest in commercial equipment to make these capsules because I had four to five girls making these capsules. I'm blending the powders. Some of the herbs I'm grinding if I couldn't get them milled or in a powdered form. And it just became really cumbersome and really intense. And I just knew there was something I had to change in my business or else I was going to be at this really difficult place that I did not want to be in and always being behind on orders because <clears throat> the demand was increasing right. tremendously. Um, And so it was a really divine process. I was supposed to go buy some commercial equipment um, and that kind of fell through. And I ended up being recommended to go to the natural products expo in Baltimore. Um, And through that, I got connected to my manufacturer now, who's just a state away from me in New Jersey. And um, a year ago, we made my first batch of lactation capsules, about 400,000 capsules. Um, And then in July, we made 1.3 million capsules. And then we're anticipating another batch in the next couple weeks, about 4 million capsules to be made. Wow. But everything else is on, is made on site by hand. So when those capsules are made, they're shipped to us directly in boxes. So we still have to um, count and package and seal our
0: jars. So more on the philosophical side, why is any sure. of this important to you?
2: I think so much of it um, is important because I feel like uh, doing work that has a purpose and. And that you're passionate about is really important to me. Um, I was, you know, had horrible jobs before that that I wasn't really passionate about, didn't have purpose, didn't have autonomy. So, having my own business, um, I'm able to have my own autonomy, and which is great being your own boss. It's a lot of struggles, obviously, as a lot of entrepreneurs know. There's so many challenges. Um, and then also creating um, autonomy and opportunities for others, you know, because I have part time employees and I absolutely love having people on my team to work with so it's it's not just about me it's about the people that work with me and it's about the customers that I serve Um, you know and some of the products that my customers use they will tell me it's literally life-changing in so many different ways Um, so that just fills my soul
1: there are so many opinions about natural remedies in general, and they're mixed usually. So some people swear by them, and some people distrust them, and other people just sit on the fence, and they don't really have a clear opinion about them. Uh, who's, who would you say is your target audience?
2: So most of the customers that buy are women usually typically age 20 to about 40. And usually they might be um, kind of in the childbearing year, meaning that they're going to be planning to have a baby sometime. Um, in the near couple years, or maybe they're pregnant or they're postpartum. But at the same time, since we have a wide variety of products, not all the products are for you know pregnant, nursing, or postpartum mothers. Some of them are can be used for anything. Like we have a a product called Muscle Mend um, that can be used for anybody that has sore um, muscles or achy joints. Anybody can use that product. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you find these people? Your target audience. Um, you, so most of the people, uh, most of the customers that we acquire are either a lot of them are through word of mouth, um, and then also social media. So I'm, I mostly focus on two social media platforms that would be Facebook and Instagram. But for me, Instagram, I find a better traction and I can have a better engagement rate with my customers there. And it's less distracting than say Facebook is for me.
1: How, why Why do you feel that Facebook is distracting if you don't mind me? Oh,
2: interesting. I think there's just so much, um you know when someone logs on there are so many things that come on if they're coming on as a coming on to have personal connections with friends or family members mm-hmm. there is constant notifications constant pop-ups constant video constant advertisements so there's so much pulling their attention away it's so hard to get their attention um so mm-hmm. I feel like on on Instagram it's so much easier for me to connect with my customers and engage with them um, and have a conversation there because it's stories. It's not really long copy. It's not a lot of writing. It's still, of course, it's a video, um, but it's not too many things pulling them away from what they're trying to do. And I can feel like I can target them um, in a different way on Instagram, whereas I do actually know that when I convert buyers, I can convert them at a better rate from Instagram versus Facebook.
1: Mm-hmm. That's very interesting that you said yeah. that, and it's really surprising to me because my assumption somehow was that you know, Facebook would be a lot easier to to do this, um, you know, to do promotions on for this particular kind of business, precisely because, as you said, you know, people come for a connection, you know, for family and friends, and maybe they would connect with other women that they would know, um, maybe a sister or a friend or a co-worker or someone who's going through the same experience, childbearing, and might, you know, recommend this. So it's very, very surprising to me that you said Instagram is um, is, is a better place to tell a story than
2: Facebook, but. Right. Yeah. It's, and I think also because it lends, you figure if, if a mother is late at night and either she's, maybe she's nursing her baby or she's waking up to feed her baby or she's pumping or something and she's got one hand free Instagram (laughs) makes it so much easier with one hand free, just the scrolling. And so it makes it a lot easier to engage for mothers that are one handed at that time. I think that's part of it realistically whereas sometimes it requires too much you know late at night when a mother is up with her baby to go on Facebook maybe and I will tell you when I monitor my analytics I also see people come from Instagram will stay on my website longer and they have a better conversion rate and also their average order values are higher from Instagram versus other platforms too Mm
1: -hmm. that's that's very interesting for our listeners to take away um I'm 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 curious. Also, have you been met with um, any naysayers or doubters? Maybe you know people who uh, had all sorts of things to say about natural remedies.
2: Um, yeah, I think um, there are some people when you when you come across. You mean like my customers or potential customers in general, or just as I built my business?
1: As you built your business, you know, in your journey, as as you presented the product, you know,
2: while you were branding. Sure, I th- I think so, because I think probably think that, oh, you know, because I've done so many different things, um oh, you know, in, in my working career from, you know, military restaurant and working in hospitals. I think probably people think, you know, when you start another business, you know, that, oh, I can't imagine this is going to all well. this is another business or another pursuit or another journey. And I don't think people expect it to be as successful. And sometimes even, you know, when I started it, I didn't I don't I didn't have the vision that I do now for it. Um, you know, now I have the vision where I can see five years down the road, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, where I can think long term and creating a legacy, you know, Mm -hmm. so I think a lot of the time, when I started my business, and I was doing just craft shows and farmers markets, and making my own labels and designing them and hand printing them and cutting them out, it was really cumbersome. So it was very handmade. And it still is, but it looks much more polished. And there's much more of a refined process now. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think, People probably didn't, a lot of people will say to me, I can't believe where you are now. I just say, neither can I, because I never, ever envisioned this. Um, Mm -hmm. I never envisioned my brand being here at this place that it is now. And at this current place, I can't even tell you what it will be like in two years, because so much keeps rapidly changing.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What about with your potential buyers? Have you ever had, uh, you know, those naysayers and doubters when you introduce the products People who probably don't believe in these things for some reason or think that, you know, they're too much engulfed in um, modern uh, methods.
2: I'm sure they are. And if, you know, then they're not my customers. So I don't really even, I know my customers really well and I know what their interests are and what their likes are. Um, You know, and some people will be very skeptical. Even people who have tried herbal products before and have not had the best results or a certain type of results they were expecting so I will get apprehensive potential buyers and they go, you know, I've tried this type of product for this thing and all these other products didn't work, you know, and what makes your product different? And I'll mm. tell them, you know what? I can't speak to other companies and their formulas, but I do know that mine are pure where I don't put any um, fillers or any type of additives or preservatives in there. So they tend to be more potent than other products, you know, so some people will come to me as a last resort, assuming they're coming to me for the lactation blends Um And they say, you know, I've tried these things, All these things have not worked for me. And, you know, and I just say, well, that's usually when people find my products. um, And, you know, and I just try to be very honest and very authentic with them and having a conversation about, listen, there's no one size fits all. There is no magic pill. You have to understand that herbal remedies and trying botanical therapy is trial and error to get the result that you want. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I also try to be um, supportive and lean back on my past work experience as being, um, being a lactation counselor as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think it's very interesting what you said there, because I feel like, um, so many businesses are trying to be the the solution to everyone and that just doesn't work. Right. So, you know, what you said about knowing your customer and knowing them very well and knowing what they want and really not trying to, to be the right fit for everybody.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's so important when when we find whatever industry we're in and we if we hopefully we have a niche and we find our product and our thing, instead of trying to go um, you know, an inch deep and a mile wide, trying to make sure we're going an inch wide and a mile deep and really focusing in that area, wherever we're, where we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: What's your most delicious tea? Uh,
2: the headache relief tea. So to me, some of the teas, now because they're medicinal teas, some of them don't taste great, but they work. It's medicine. But for me, I think the headache relief tea is good. It can be made um, hot or cold. Um, it's kind of refreshing during the summer. And even my three boys will drink most of the teas that I make them.
0: And then what um, what would it be most comparable to if somebody's a tea connoisseur?
2: What would it be comparable to? Well, because it has some lavender um, and lemon balm in it it's not a citrusy flavor it's a very light floral flavor if you will it's got a hint of peppermint to it um so if someone likes lavender and likes peppermint um i think they would like that tea
0: it's good to know i'm i'm we're a uh, big tea fans here in our home and my wife gets okay. headaches frequently hopefully they're not caused by me um, but, no, but that. That, that's uh <laughs> no good, that good would to not know. Be
2: good and i
0: was gonna say we we've been uh we haven't gotten into like the kind of the specialty mixes um like what you do but we'll do like say like an almond oolong or a uh, mint pu'er and, and that type of stuff and so i'm very intrigued even just uh as a personal side note in some of the products that you're offering right now
2: Right, thank you. Well, and there's some teas. I like trying all kinds of um, herbal teas, whether they're just for flavor or for medicinal use. and so I will buy all kinds of um, herbal teas for flavor just to try them. and um, and some of them are really great. There is one that I got. It was a a lemongrass coconut one, and it was horrible. <laughs> it was the worst, and I thought it was gonna be really good. And I was like, oh, that's not good. So I will also try my own teas, like even if I make a medicinal tea for something that I'm not personally using, I will try it and I will try to work on my formula to make it more palatable. And if it doesn't work, I'll say, you know what, this tea isn't working or it's not really good. Sometimes I'll just kind of get rid of it. Um, But there's some teas that are medicinal. So sometimes medicine doesn't always taste great, but it has its therapeutic, you know, role in our lives.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. How Mm -hmm. about to switch gears a little? How much does your brand rely on customer testimonies and social proof?
2: So I would say a lot. I think that's super important. Um, I don't ask customers to give testimony as they do this naturally on their own. They share when products are working for them. Um, And when they do, I will always constantly reshare with everybody else in my platform, you know, customer stories and proof. Um, So I think it's really important, especially when it's coming from mom to mom, word of mouth. That's huge. And that's been my biggest way that my brand has grown.
1: Right. So we noticed that you also have a brand ambassador program. So I thought that was really interesting, you know, as a part of, you know, what Jeff just touched on. Um, Can
2: you tell our listeners a little bit about it and how it works? Sure. Um, I've been doing the brand ambassador program now for about two and a half years. Um, And I started it when I started doing Instagram and I saw that large companies were using it. And I just thought, why can't I make something like that my own? Um, And then through trial and error and after a couple terms, I discovered that having brand ambassadors on a monthly basis. So where it is, people will apply to become brand ambassador. Um, I've had probably about 1200 people apply last time I checked to become brand ambassadors. I choose people about 10 times a year. Um, since I am my only full-time employee, there's only so much energy that I have. So I kind of can't do it every month and every month it doesn't work. But so I choose about 10 to 20 people each month. Um, and I really just give them um, strategies on how to um, authentically connect and find my customers um, and engage with my customers. And in exchange for their time, they serve for about 30 days, um, in exchange for their time, they get store credit. And it works really well. Um, and that's been really huge in my success.
1: So you said that you uh, looked at larger companies doing that, and you thought, why not do something similar and make it my own? I want you to please elaborate on that a little bit. Like what were some of the tweaks that you've made to to uh, to get similar results, but within your means basically as a small business?
2: Sure. Um, When I first started, um, I was doing I thought doing a six month term and then I quickly realized that's way too long, Um, especially for usually most of them are current customers or potential customers. Um, So I don't always choose people who are current customers. Um, I don't choose people that are based on their um, followers. It's totally irrelevant to how engaged that they actually can be and how um, more yeah. active they are. Um, so, and I've actually found people with higher followers on their social media platforms because it's only on Instagram. Um, but I find that people that have more followers don't do as good of a job as other people that have a lower amount of followers. So I just want someone who's passionate and who really wants to be engaged in the brand and feel like they're part of this journey with me. Um, so I've just kind of tweaked the amount of time. So I went from six months, then down to three months, and then realized, okay, it only needs to be 30 days. One month term is enough uh, because life gets busy pretty fast.
1: Sure. 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 You said, you said something very interesting there. You said that you don't really judge them on the number of followers, but you judge them on engagement rate. So, and I, and I agree with you. I think it's, it's probably more important to have someone whose audience is engaged rather than having someone with millions of followers who don't care what they post. So, um, How do you measure that? Do you even measure it or do you just go by like a gut feeling of you just take a look and you feel that the person has a good engagement rate or do you have specific measures to decide uh, whether someone basically makes the cut?
2: Well, so when I look at their profiles, I will look at how often do they post, how often are they actually online. Um, And then I will also see maybe how long, um, I will check through like different analytics, see maybe how long have they been following my account. Um, Are they engaged with my account? Because if sometimes if, if they're following my account and I, and I have a really good memory, so sometimes I will see screen names and I'll remember the username. If Sometimes if I'm going through applications and I see their username and I'm not familiar with their picture or their post because I will check out people who follow my account, um, then usually I feel like, okay, if I'm not familiar with their name, they may not be a good, a good fit for my brand ambassador program. Um, so it's usually by the frequency of how much they post and how engaged they are directly on, on my personal account as well Um, And if we have engaged any personal conversations, whether it's through a a post on my Instagram or through DMs, we might have engaged, or maybe through emails, or maybe they're a current customer, and I've offered them some level of support through email at some point.
1: Mm -hmm. So you touched on, I mean, you've explained very well right now how to, you know, how you go about the process of basically checking their engagement rate and whatnot. But I didn't ask you, how do you find these people if, let's say, for instance, if they didn't contact you through the referral program you have on your website is that yeah. basically the only way that you find potential um potential um candidates right or do you have another
2: tactic No, so I will there's a couple ways. I will um I will announce it on my Instagram page that hey, I'm looking for brand ambassadors for next month. So I'll try to do that. It doesn't happen every month what I think to do it. So I'll do it, you know, maybe 8 to 10 times a year, I'll make a post about it like, hey, I'm looking for brand ambassadors. Here's how you apply. Um, And also in my um, email campaign as well, my follow-up emails, of course, using Conversio, that also reintroduces them to the brand ambassador program post-purchase. And then also when they sign up for the newsletter list, I invite them to check out my brand ambassador program and consider applying to become a brand ambassador as well. And then also if I'm just sending out a regular newsletter update in general, then I might mention it again.
0: And how has that directly affected or benefited your company?
2: Oh, so I will tell you in 2014 was when I started it um, at the last half of 2014 when I was working out all the bugs. So from 2014 to 2015 to really harnessing it and really getting a good control over it, my um order numbers went 8x. And I will contribute a lot of that to brand ambassador programs. Now a lot of that just to having really great products that work and working on my brand polishing. But I would also say that, you know, having brand ambassador programs has been, was a huge part of that as well. At that point, we were doing this time last year. So November of last year, we had did over 700 orders in that month before we were previously doing consistently three to 400 orders a month. And so that was 700 was really high. Of course, it was, you know, having the small business Saturday sale. And so that was led us up to that painful growing point going, something has to change fast. And that's when I started looking during summer of 2015 looking for ways to scale up my business.
0: So where do you see the company in the next five years?
2: Let's see. So I just built my first facility to move my business um, out of my home, So, which is a fantastic place to be in. Um, because now that we have a, a team of less than five people, it's really hard to work in 400 square feet in a studio. That will be fantastic for us to have this um, new facility um, to work in. Right now we ship about 1,200 or so orders a month. Um, and so I imagine next year we're going to be doing, um, wholesale domestic, and then, um, eventually working on some international distribution on a, on a different way, possibly. Um, I ship to 47 different countries directly to the customer, but I'm trying to see if there's better ways and quicker ways to get my, get my products to international customers. So they don't have to wait as long. and don't have to pay extra duties and taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really want to be very considerate of, of their needs as well. Um, So in five years, um, I'll probably outgrow the current facility that I'm at at the rate that we keep growing. Um, From this point, at one point this just year, from I think it was July to August, our orders just doubled all of a sudden. And so we've kind of kept at that pace since August. Um, So I I hope we don't double again too soon um, because I'm not quite ready. (laughs) I'm not ready for that. I just want to kind of...
0: I said you need to shut down your brand ambassador program. <laughs> brand
2: ambassador, I know, and that's the thing. I didn't choose. I didn't choose any for December, and there was one month when we did double in August. I said, "Huh, I don't want to choose any in September. I just want to see what's going to happen in September alone." And that was when I started tweaking with um, Facebook boosted boosted ads and say, "Well, let's see if I don't choose any ambassadors, let's see what happens in September." Because I like to tweak and look at analytics um, and see what's going on with traffic a little bit. So, but. Um, I don't want to just stray too far from your question. So in five years, I'll outgrow my current facility, most likely. Um, at that point, hopefully, I'll ha- I won't be the only full-time employee. That would be fantastic. <laughs> um, and move to a new facility. Um, and I kind of envision uh, building a company that kind of encompasses um, Dogfish Head Beer, which I absolutely love that company. Um, and then also Patagonia and Zappos a little bit. So those are kind of huge companies that I admire. Um, for so many different reasons, but I, I want to have a, a, a larger facility where I can do tours and do educational classes, um, offer herbal apprenticeships at some point, and then do, um, herbal wholesale, bulk herbal wholesale, because trying to source 5,800 pounds of herbs for my next batch of production is painful. And I get tired of dealing with, um, the middle band. So I'm trying to look for easier ways that I can create a sister company, so I can scale up my business and just learn more about importing herbs directly from overseas from herbal farmers. Um, And yeah, so and building on that business model, which will be different.
1: You know, it's funny. Um, During the interview, I remember, I don't know at what point exactly, but you said something in the lines of, uh, oh, I have no idea where we will be in two years. And now the detailed vision and description you just gave me, it's unbelievable. It's like, it's almost like it already happened in your mind. You know exactly oh. what's where it's going, and that's
2: that's uh, very interesting to me. <laughs> well, you know, I have I have these wonderful ideas. Let's see if they'll happen. I have no idea. I think it could radically change by then, or maybe it won't happen. I'm not entirely sure, but I do. I dream and I vision about this, like this building that we've just built. We're moving in four to eight weeks. I've been planning this for two years. Like I've been collecting ideas and brainstorming like on Pinterest for two years about I this building. Gonna Pinterest in I was <laughs> going to say, are you on Pinterest? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've been planning anyway. for this for two years. And um, so, and now I'm not even moving into this building, but I'm already planning. Oh, this sounds crazy, but I'm already planning for my next facility and how many land how much land I'm going to need to be able to have my facility because I also want to have an on-site childcare center for my employees because I really it's so important to be able to support working mothers and have great paternal leave and you know and have that connection and making your business feel like a family to me. So
1: your website is euphoricherbals.com. What's mm-hmm. your Instagram?
2: It's also Euphoric Herbals. yeah okay and if you just these- hashtag it, you'll find it too. Okay.
1: Yeah, Good. So are these basically the best places that our listeners can go to to learn more about your products? Do you have any other sources for information?
2: They can op- obviously go to my website too. So they can go to the website, check out the products that I make. Um, I, the, all the products that are there are minus maybe like a handful of them or my own brand and my own company um, and my own formulas that I've created. Um, and so they can check out the product line that I have, um and just check out my social media platforms and um you know they can if they have any questions they can feel free to send me a a message or an email there um I can't guarantee how long it'll take for me to get back to them usually (laughs) within three business days or less I you know I'm pretty good about responding about that
1: but you will respond to them eventually
2: yeah I absolutely do I do I get messages all the time from all my customers on you know all the different social media platforms and so I try to be very responsive because of what their needs are and the season of life that they're in. So it's really important to offer that level of support.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's understandable. I mean, it's a small team, so I'm sure, I'm sure our listeners can understand that. If it's a small team, you know, you can't really expect someone to get to all the emails immediately. So, hey, listen, this was, it was great. It was great talking to you and learning about
2: your business. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it was Thank fun. you.
0: So definitely everybody go check out the website and just watch this business explode before your eyes in a very good way.
2: <laughs> and I have so many plans. I have not put in action yet. So, you know, I did something today. It was really funny. There was like this um, meme thing. It says, here's a forecast for your 2017. And all these... Um, slides flew by and all of them had different words on them one said like you're gonna have more abundance you're gonna have more prosperity you're gonna have more fries you're gonna have more coffee more wine and you screenshot it and mine said for 2017 you will have world domination <laughs> and I just
0: called it. I just laughed <laughs> that's awesome
2: <laughs> I said yep that sounds about right world domination sure
0: <laughs> <laughs> one tea bag at a time wow. <laughs> that's fantastic alright well thank you so much for your time One-Stop Shop is a production of Convergio. Learn how to manage all of the marketing tools, channels, and strategies that you need from one dashboard by visiting Convergio.com. This podcast was produced in partnership with Come Alive Creative. For help building, improving, and marketing your e-commerce store, visit ComeAliveCreative.com. To listen to more episodes or to give us a rating, please visit Convergio.com forward slash iTunes.